What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Deer Vein Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Heller, and this is episode nine, and we are going to go over pre-rut and rut hunting tactics. So uh, as we enter into later October, early November, and even through mid-November in the upper Midwest, you're looking at the pre-rut and the rut. Uh, For me, the pre-rut kind of runs until November 1st or 2nd or 3rd, and then right then, kind of the rut usually kicks off right around the 1st, 2nd, or 3rd as well. They kind of overlap right there, depending on where you are, and then the next two weeks is just awesome chaos in the woods. Uh, You never know what's going to happen, where stuff's going to come from, how it's going to happen, or anything like that. You just got to be in the woods and be be ready all the time. So in doing that, it's not as, I I say you just got to be in the woods, but there's areas you can sit and places you can sit that will increase your odds of having those rut and bucks run by you. Okay, so I just wanted to touch on those today and help you guys try to figure out you know, if, if you're not sure where to sit or, you know, you got 10 spots, you need to pick one. That's always one one issue I have, uh, where you're going to pick and where you're going to sit. Uh, so I'm going to kind of break it down into the pre-rut versus the rut. And in the pre-rut stages, does aren't really in estrus yet. Maybe there's one or two, maybe like 5, 10, 15% of does are coming into estrus. But not, overall, the majority are not coming into estrus yet. Bucks are really more or less posturing, trying to figure out who's got what territory, who owns what area, you know, and and kind of making their claim on certain areas as well as traveling. They're traveling to figure out, you know, are does in this area in estrus versus that area? Because does live in, generally they live in groups, you know, two, three, four, five, six, and uh, let's just call them pods. So you got like a doe pod um, over here on this 40 and then you know a mile away you got another doe pod over here and bucks will actually go back and forth between those doe pods to figure out you know are they in estrus no are these other ladies in estrus no and then they'll go to another pod and another one because all these deer have generally home ranges so essentially these bucks are going if you're thinking about it like a neighborhood, these bucks are going door to door, knocking on the door kind of every two to three days. Hey, are you an estrus yet? No. All right, cool. Catch you later. And going on to the next neighbor and just next neighbor and next neighbor. And that's what they're doing. So, you know, if you can find the main road that they're running down, that's obviously the premium, premium chance, uh, or premium spot to be. But, uh, the big piece is, essentially during the rut they're going crazy and they're trying to find their does during the pre-rut they're moving more because there's less does and estrus but they're ready to go so they want to find you know they're moving a lot more i guess is the best way to say it um because there's less does are in estrus so they need to move more it's a numbers game for them they need to find more in order to find that one that is an estrus so in the pre-rut you're kind of really looking at for me uh the thing that I'm going to hunt mostly during the pre-rut is scrapes and kind of uh, outside bedding areas. Um, and bedding areas are a big, you can hunt those year round, but really now because those bucks are kind of running and checking those bedding areas, uh, that's where I'm going to try to find my spot. Uh, but for the most part, I'm looking at scrapes. I'm trying to find good travel routes to and from a scrape. And the reason I want to get to a scrape is if you listen to the previous podcast, you know this, those scrapes are like beacons for deer. 
um, Bucks want to go check those scrapes, does peeing them, bucks peeing them. It gives them a lot of information about what other deer are in the area and if there are does and estrus. So if the buck doesn't want to go knocking door to door, they can just go check that scrape. Ah, no, there's no one in estrus and then move on. But uh, otherwise, you know, those outside bedding areas are good. And bucks, they will bed in the same areas as does, but not all the time. So they might have a spot on top of a ridge on the upper, you know, four fifths, three quarters of the ridge, whereas the doe group beds at the bottom of the hill or something like that. So they're not always right next to each other, but uh, those bucks will eventually find those bedding areas for those does. So if you know an area where there's just always a ton of does, kind of sit in that general area and and most likely you're going to have those bucks kind of cruise by it might be might be nocturnal yet and you might not have a great opportunity during daylight hours but if you set your cameras out you'll at least get glimpses of them coming by uh so during the pre-rut like i said that's kind of my strategy is just scrapes and bedding areas you can try to hunt pinch points and funnels and food sources yet but um really i don't have a ton of luck with them me personally, I'm sure other people do. If you have a good food plot, of course, does come in there. Bucks are going to come in there. Uh, but, I mean, kind of food's not necessarily the thing that's on a big buck's mind right now. It's more or less uh, finding those does and checking those areas. So food can be a good source, but I'm going after those scrapes and those high travel routes to and from bedding areas. So that's the pre-rut. And that's what we're in right now. It's October 22nd today. So for the next eight, nine days or so, that's what I'm kind of doing if I'm, if I'm out there. The, once we get into the rut, I quit really hunting scrapes and I hunt more pinch points and funnels. So when bucks are going, like back to the analogy of being in a neighborhood, knocking door to door, looking for those uh, does, they're going to be covering a lot of ground. And going through the pinch points and funnels is a great place to catch them. So for me, just thinking about it, I our property has a north hillside. And that north hillside has about three or four cliffs on it, actually. And I'm not talking like 10, 15 foot cliffs. I'm talking like 50, 80 foot cliffs that are like straight down. And so those cliffs provide phenomenal funnels because deer aren't going to go up and over those they're going to have to go around the base of them and we got a crick that rolls through the property as well so in between that cliff and that crick at the narrowest point is a f fantastic spot to sit so you might have have an area that's you know 200 yards wide 200 yards by 200 yards but and that's where like a doe bedding area is, is somewhere in there and then you got a travel area that runs along and it just gets narrower and narrower till it's only like 50, 60, 70 yards wide between those cliffs and the creek. And then it opens back up into another 200 by 200, you know, feeding, bedding kind of, uh, you know, sanctuary area as well. And if, and if you can sit in that pinch, when those bucks are chasing back and forth, looking for those does, they're going to be cruising that pinch point, that funnel going back and forth between those bedding areas. So instead of sitting, like in the pre-rut, I'm sitting out right outside that bedding area. I'm not necessarily on that funnel. And the reason I'm there is because uh, during the pre-rut, the reason I'm outside the just outside the bedding area is because bucks aren't still aren't moving that far during daylight hours. They're just they're they're moving, you know, 50, 100, 150, 200 yards. 200 yards is a long way. Generally, they're moving to 50 to 100 yards or less during daylight hours. Uh, 
but during the rut, all bets are off for for movement. And or so I'm sitting close to that betting area because that's where that buck is going to be. That's where those does are going to be. And if I can, you know, catch them in that 50 to 100 yard range, that's what I'm trying for. These pinch points are 150, 200 yards off that bedding area, but they're going to be moving a lot more during the rut, going back and forth between bedding areas. So hunting those pinch points is going to be more effective because I, if I see a deer, I'm going to have an opportunity. And that deer, in order, if he's on that north hillside, in order to go from the east side to the west side, he's got to go through that funnel. Or he's got to go, got to go up over the cliff. But if he goes up over the cliff, he now enters into a cut soybean field or, or an alfalfa field, and it really exposes him. So odds of him doing that are actually really slim, unless a doe pops out up there or something like that. But uh, if he's moving on his own, he's staying hidden, he's staying in the cover, and he's going to funnel right through that pinch point, and hopefully I get an opportunity at him. So, And then if you go to the south side of that hillside that we own, uh, so the north side has those big cliffs with the pinch points, then you got the creek, then you got a south hillside. That south hillside does not have nearly the funnels. It's, it's just kind of a slow rolling hill, and the deer can kind of freely move throughout that whole area wherever they want. So it's not nearly as great of a, of a, a pinch point or a, a place to sit during the rut because uh, they can just go anywhere. You know, so you might see a lot of deer, but they might be 70, 80, 100, 150 yards off, or they might come into 20, but it's it's kind of more of a gamble sitting over there versus sitting that north hillside that if you see one, he's, he's like, you know, 90% of the chance he's in range. Uh, that being said, though, on that south hillside, just walking through the property and understanding where the trails are, where the trails aren't. They don't really like our four-wheel trail too much. I've gotten one, you know, two-and-a-half or three-and-a-half-year-old buck on the actual ATV trail, but otherwise they're staying away from it. So I know that those bigger bucks don't want to be there, okay? And I walked it. I took a, I took a decent walk the other weekend, and I noticed that there were a couple scrapes in one area, and a bunch of these trails came off the southeast hillside if you split my property into four quadrants northwest hillside northeast southeast southwest that's what we kind of own is just two sides of a valley that southeast hillside uh has a bunch of trails that come off the top of it which is kind of a big big bedding area uh come off the top of it but they all meet up generally at a scrape on the bottom near the creek which is a phenomenal pinch point right that's it's not a terrain feature it has nothing to do with cliffs or the river or anything it's just an intersection of about four or five trails and in order to go from that southeast hillside bedding area to the northeast hillside bedding area uh, you got to go down there's essentially two trails that cross that creek so that's generally my pinch point right there is it's they're either going to cross one of those two trails to get over there and vice versa if they're coming from the northeast to the southeast so uh that with that in mind that's my pinch point for that hillside it's not it's not a terrain feature it's not a cliff it's not a big river it's just where these trails are is very specific and I'm not, I, I don't know why i couldn't tell you why the deer pick these specific crossing areas um, but they do and, 
And so I've, I've kind of got in my mind when I noticed those two big trails crossing the creek, and they're about 60, 70 yards apart, uh, I marked trees on my Onyx maps on where I can sit. There were, there were two good trees in that area that I could sit in with a double stand so I could have a buddy if I wanted to film me or I could film them or anything like that, but there were two good trees that I could set up in. So I marked those, and I'm going to try those out this weekend. But at least now I have uh, a general idea as to where I want to sit. And the big thing there is I'm using bedding areas as kind of my endpoints. And there's a line between those bedding areas. It's an, imag- it's, a, it's an imaginary line to humans, but deer know exactly how to go from one bedding area to the other. They know the exact path that they're going to take. They've taken it a million times, and they know where they're going to go. And with me being new to this farm, and I looked at these trees, they didn't have any tree stand marks on them. There were no pegs or anything like that. I'm really hoping to catch them by surprise and just go in there, set up a hanging hunt, and get an opportunity at them. And if you can set up in that line between the two bedding areas, that's where you're in for an awesome sit during the rut because bucks are just going to be going from one to the other and one to the other. And they might hit, you know, they might go from southeast hillside to the northeast quadrant to the northwest, back to the southwest, and then back to the southeast. They might do that whole loop shoot in a day. You know, you might see multiple bucks doing that loop. And it and it just depends on where that hot doe is. Another big tip is during the rut, uh, if you, excuse me, one second. If you get on a doe that is in estrus and you see a buck chasing really hard and his mouth's open and he's dogging, he's grunting, he's pushing her around and she's right there and you can just tell it's a hot doe, stay on that hot doe. Stay close to him Uh, because what might happen is say that doe comes burning through and here comes that buck. He's not the shooter that you're after. You know, maybe he's a smaller six point or a smaller eight point but her scent is in that area. And I'm gonna give that 20, 30, 45 minutes after they pass by to keep to let them go and see if any other bucks come through. And then I'm pulling my set and I'm moving to wherever I think that doe went. Because as she runs through, she's just gonna be dispersing that estrus scent and bucks from all over the area are gonna come running for her. And if you're in the area, you know, give it, like I said, give it time for that doe to go running by and let those other bucks come chasing her if they're there. But if you can, just stay with that doe as she moves around because she's just going to draw bucks from all over the area. And uh, that's what's really nice about having a mobile setup or a hanging hunt setup or even having multiple stands on a property uh, so that you can continue to move. I know it's much more difficult on public land. The piece of private for anybody who doesn't, who hasn't heard like the first episode or so, which I'm sure is a lot of you, uh, my family bought a piece of land. It's a hundred acres, uh, in August, August 23rd, I think. So I don't really know a whole lot about this piece yet. I'm really just starting to figure it out. And I don't have any trees. I have one tree stand up on the whole property. I've been doing a hanging hunt every time I go in. And when I was on public, I used to, for the last three years, I hunted a lot of public land. And I would just move uh, with those does. So I had a spot. There were all these oak islands out in the swamp. 
and these deer would actually run from island to island to island. So what I would do is if I had a doe come burning through, I'd give it my 30 minutes or so, 45 minutes, and then I knew generally what island she was going to or what I saw what direction she was heading, and I could look on look on any sort of satellite map, you know, like I said, I run Onyx, figure out generally where she's heading, and then pull my set and go set up over there. Because you never, you, I mean, it's not, when there's a hot doe in the area, you got to stay on her. Uh, people tend to go, oh man, I saw her, you know, at 9 a.m. And then I didn't see anything else the rest of the day. Your odds are so much greater if you're around a hot doe versus not. And give it that time, like I said, but try to stay on her. I have a buddy who used that tactic last year to very good success. He he saw like he saw a doe and a buck come by, and then another buck. Usually the second buck, it well. The second buck can always be bigger or smaller. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to say anything there. But he saw a big buck chasing a doe. It wasn't, uh, it was about 130 inch or so, 10 point. Then he let that go because uh, he knew in that area there were a few 150, 160 inch deer. So he was really hoping one of them was following and he could hear something behind her. It turns out it was a small six point whatever so he lets that small six go run by an hour goes by he goes you know what i'm out uh, like i gotta pull my set and i gotta move because i know she went from my from this ridge that i'm on i was he was kind of in this bowl on a ridge he and she went over to the next bowl so he moved over there and he did not kill a good buck but he saw one of those 150s and he says he thinks he saw the other one in that bowl too it's just the reason that doe went to that bowl is because it is thicker than thick and nasty and he's like i saw him at 40 and 50 yards and i i like he goes i couldn't even i could tell one was one deer because it was unique and it had very unique like g2s but the other one i could just barely make out and they were only at 50 and 60 yards so uh but he was in it he was in the thick of it and it's because he moved to that other bowl. If he would have just stayed in his original bowl that he was in, he probably wouldn't have seen anything else. So that's just that's just one big tip I have is is stay mobile, keep moving, and uh, sometimes it's great to just sit in one spot the whole day, uh, you know, and just pull that all dayer. But I know last year one of the all dayers that I pulled, I had a buck come through at five, like five thirty a.m. Just grunting away. I tried to grunt him in and never got a look at him or anything, and he was only about fifty yards away. I didn't see anything the entire day, and I was in one of those travel corridors between two bedding areas. I didn't see anything the entire day until last light. I had a smaller buck come running in uh, that I actually grunted in, which was the first time I called in a deer. So tried, tried many, many a times, but. Um, but I, I never had, had it been successful. And I could see on private land when I was sitting in the spot, I was sitting on the edge of public and private along a creek, and the creek was the divider. On the other side of the creek, about 300 yards or so, I could see a tank buck just burning rubber. You, I could hear them from 300 yards just bop, 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 and then you hear all the cattails go, and they'd just be running around, and then this doe would pop out on this high ground, and this big buck would be chasing her, and then another buck would be chasing her. There were three or four bucks in there with that one doe, and if that wasn't private, I would have been over there in a heartbeat. Um, but they, you know, I just, I had to wait and wait and just hope that that doe came running my way so that all the bucks would too, because I mean, you're not really not going to pull that pull any of those bucks off that doe. 
about four or five hours later, one of those bucks came kind of walking out of there and he kind of came my way onto the public and uh, that's the one I called in. He actually crossed the creek, came in, presented a shot at about 20, 25 yards or so. Um, just a little bit smaller than what I wanted. However, should have taken him because I didn't even fill my buck tag last year anyway. Uh, but but anyway, that was the that was that situation. And there is times, or I was that was kind of a sidebar to there are times when sitting all day in one area is a great great way to go. And those would probably be along the lines of it's a great funnel. You're not seeing a doe in estrus. You have seen a couple bucks come cruising by, and it doesn't seem like they're they're trotting along, you know, but they don't have their mouth open. They're not dogging. They're not worn out or anything. They're just kind of trotting along, looking around, doing their thing. Uh, and then those days, yeah, it's a good time to just keep sitting there all day because it's it's evident that there isn't a hot doe in the area, in that specific area. So otherwise those bucks would have picked up on it by now when they come by you. So just hanging out there and waiting for more bucks to kind of cruise by that'd be, that'd be a good idea. That that's when I would stay still. But, um, but otherwise, you know, if you're not seeing anything, you know, that's the other thing is you're like, Oh, I'm going to do an all day and I get up there at, you know, 4am or whatever. I'm hanging out and about 10am, 11 noon rolls around and you just still aren't seeing Jack squat. Then I'd, I'd probably just get up and move. <laughs> uh, that's my personal opinion. Uh, I mean, it's it's really a, a flip of the coin whether or not you should stay. But I always think, you know, being mobile and especially being on the ground during the rut and kind of moving, your odds of just running into a deer while you're moving are just greater in general anyway because you're covering more ground so you have more opportunity to just run into a deer. Whereas if you're just sitting in one spot, you have to wait for that deer to come to you. And all you have to do is just... I've talked to multiple people who are who just say like, oh yeah, I was on my way out or I was walking to go get lunch or I was, you know, just moving tree stands at the time and I just ran across this buck and he just came running through. I'm sure we've all kind of been there where or a lot of us have. I know I have personally where I'm just walking through the woods trying to go from one tree stand to the next, you know, at 11 o'clock and I run into deer. And especially with all the leaves on the ground, you can hear them coming. So it's a great time to just kind of be out in the woods. My biggest advice is if you are moving tree stands from one to the other, always go into the wind. So you're, if you do happen to run across a deer like that, your scent is it's always going to be in your favor because you're always going to be going into the wind rather than at the wind at your back. So maybe that's something you take into consideration as well when you pick your stand site in the morning is like, okay, I'm going to start on this side of the farm and if I don't see anything, I'm going to work my way into the wind on the other side of the farm. Or if like, I mean, if you're hunting public, you know, same thing, I'm going to start at, you know, this ridge. And if I don't see anything, I'm going to move over to this ridge and you're just working into the wind all the time. And also keeping an eye on, uh, keeping an eye on scrapes at the same time is I don't advise hunting scrapes during this time frame because the bucks are like, I don't care who's in the area. I know there's a hot doe right over here, so I'm going for it. Uh, and so scrapes get hit less and less as the rut kind of moves on or the pre-rut is the peak of when scrapes are being hit and then it kind of slows down while the rut, I shouldn't say it goes less and less, it just slows down overall. Uh, but 
keeping an eye on those scrapes to see which ones are still open and which ones have been kind of closed up or neglected is good too because if they've been neglected that generally means uh those bucks aren't in that area anymore or that area wasn't good or that scrape wasn't in a great area whatever it just means that that area isn't as hot as it once was and finding those scrapes that are open and do have a lot of fresh tracks fresh sign you know fresh dirt in them um, those are the areas you want to be in because a buck was in there recently so that that would be my advice advice if you're doing that and keeping an eye on trails you know especially with all the leaves on the ground you'll probably be able to see what leaves have been disturbed what leaves haven't been disturbed uh, keep an eye on tracks as you're moving through the woods rubs are a great thing to keep in track of as well they really don't provide that much information just that a deer was there at some point in time it's the freshness of the rub so that's uh, that's something i keep in mind too it's, it's very similar to the freshness of a scrape uh in that regard so the main the main uh, tactic I'm going to use for the rut is being in travel corridors between bedding areas. And then if you pick up on a hot doe, stay on that hot doe and be mobile and, and keep moving with her if you can. Um, and if you can't, you know, it, it is what it is. Just let her go and she goes off to the neighbors and you just got to cross your fingers and hope she comes back. Or maybe another, there's another hot doe in the same area. Maybe bucks are chasing the wrong one. Uh, I've seen that happen before too. You know, one doe is just slips away and hides and then this other one goes burning off and they go after the one that's running because that's the one they can see, but they actually got it wrong and they come circling back and they kick up that doe that laid down. You know, they try to not they try to avoid being bred as well. Like they don't want to be harassed like that. They just want to get through their time, you know, be bred when they choose to, and then move on. So, and that is another reason why does will actually hit scrapes is to let bucks know when they're in estrus so that they can be bred when they want. You know, if, if they're not in their cycle yet, say, say a doe is coming into her cycle November 10th, and a buck is pushing around November 1st, well, she's probably not gonna breed that buck unless he really like pins her down and even then it's probably not gonna take. You know, she needs to, um, she wants to be bred on November 10th, which is when her cycle comes in. So that's when she's gonna be most receptive to bucks. Uh, but the other big thing there, oh man, I just had an idea. I forgot it, shoot. Is about does in their cycle. Oh, I was just gonna say, the I somebody told me this one time, and I haven't ever really verified it, but they told me that the most Boone and Crockett and Pope and Young entries for bucks every single year is November sixth, seventh, and eighth. Those three days. Um, achieve more entries into those Boone and Crockett and Pope and Young books than any other days of the year. So if you are to be out in the woods and you are to do a full day sit or you are to take time off uh, November 6th, 7th, and 8th, and a lot of people will say like, oh, it's about the moon phase, the rut's early this year, the rut's late. Uh, you know, it's about the cold front and the weather conditions. I personally, I, I personally, this is my personal opinion and take it for what it's worth. I think it's the same time frame every year regardless. The one piece of scientific information that I've looked up that it always comes down to is the amount of light that hits the deer's eyes. 
So it's the amount of daylight that there is. There is a certain trigger that when light hits a deer's eye for X amount of minutes a day or X amount of seconds a day, it flips a switch for them and goes, okay, it's time to breed. Like that's generally what it comes down to. It doesn't matter if it's a full moon, in my opinion, it doesn't matter if it's a full moon, a waxing moon, waning moon, crescent or whatever it is. Um, you can tell I'm not a moon guy. I do believe that if it is a full moon, you'll have more deer movement at night than you do during the day. Like if you have no moon or like a new moon and there's nothing there, you're going to have less movement at night and more during the day. But that's, that's the only thing I be believe about it is just because it depends on, like, that's the amount of light. Uh, what I do for a living is deal with lighting for people. So I, I tend to believe in that because I've seen it happen in real life where we change the color and how much light people get in a nursing home or a hospital. And all of a sudden... Uh, they start having fewer falls during the day or they start, you know, remembering more or they need less medication or they stop having migraines, uh, things like that. Like I've seen it happen in real life. So I'm a big believer in that. But aside from that kind of stuff, um, I really believe the rut is like in Wisconsin every year, it's roughly November 2nd to November 20th. And the hard part about Wisconsin is gun season uh, or rifle season for deer starts at the tail end of the rut. It's always the weekend before Thanksgiving. So I, I believe the deer are still rutting and then gun season starts and that kind of throws them off. So then the rutting activity generally just moves nocturnal and people don't see as much. So they say it's not there, but really it's there. It's just at night because I mean, if they're running around during the day, they're getting killed pretty, pretty much. Uh, so Anyway, those are kind of uh, my thoughts and strategies for hunting the pre-rut and the rut. I hope to help you guys a little bit. Uh, I I could touch on calling a little bit, ratting, rattling, grunting, and then also like scents. I don't have a lot of experience in that category. Um, I think rattling works to some degree. It just lets, it's kind of a signal that lets other bucks know that there's bucks in the area, but generally rattling, I, I don't know. I haven't had a lot of luck with it personally, um, but I also haven't had deer run away from it either. So I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I don't know how much, how effective it really is. It depends on your area, I guess, because I have some friends who tell me like, and a lot of these are anecdotal, so take them for what it's worth. You know, they're like, oh, I have very aggressive bucks in my area, so rattling works for me. Like, every year I can rattle a couple deer in. And then I have other friends, and the same conversation will be like, man, I rattle every single sit, and I ain't never got one to come in. So, like, maybe they just suck at rattling. You know, I will say that a rattle bag is not the same as a set of actual antlers. I do believe that deer can pick up on the difference between the two. Uh, I fully believe that. I mean, if you think about like how sensitive a dog's ears are and how sensitive a deer's ears are, like I think they they humans can't really tell the difference that much, but I do think deer can very much so. So if you are gonna rattle, my suggestion is actually bring actual antlers that you find sheds or previous previous years uh, kills. So that's my thought there. Grunting, um, I. You know, I grunted that buck in last year, 
Uh, he was across the creek at like 80 yards, grunting to him a few times, and he came running in. But again, that was my first time ever grunting a deer, and I've grunted at many others. That morning, you know, 40 yards away, a closer buck, and I couldn't get him to come in, and I grunted at him, and he was grunting back. So he didn't even care. I mean, he was just on a mission doing his thing. So I don't have a lot of experience there either. And then like a snort wheeze, um, people say they work. I've had friends say they're terrible and the deer just runs away. I think that's kind of a super high risk, high reward tactic. You snort wheeze at a deer. If you don't know what it is, it's kind of a type sound. It's kind of like a, uh, a buck that says, come over here, man, and fight me, fight me, punk. Uh, that's kind of what that says to deer. And either that deer's running away or he's coming to fight you. It's one or the other. And I think it's probably like, you know, a 95% chance that he's running away. But if you're in aggressive deer or that deer's just feeling really aggressive that day, you know, that 5% would be awesome to have him just burn in. And, you know, most of the time, if you're snort wheezing at a deer, it's because he's not coming in anyway. So him running away is kind of like, ah, whatever. He was going to run anyway. So, I mean, take that for what it's worth. I, you know, like I said, I'm not the best caller. I don't do a ton. I got to get somebody on this podcast that does a ton of it and, and talk to them. And the last one, sense. I don't really believe in sense at all, to be honest. Um, my big thing is like sense carry with the wind. So if you put scents out in front of you, that carries with the wind, but then your scent carries right with that same wind as well. So I've never really understood how it would work because the deer are going to smell, you know, the doe estrus or whatever you put out there, but they're also going to smell you. So I've never, I've never had that work very well, I guess, um, and I've tried a bunch of scents and they just, I, I've never had it. I've, I've never been like, oh my God, it's because I put out this scent. These deer came in. Usually I'm in like, like a travel corridor or a pinch point or around a bedding area or something. And I'm planning on seeing deer anyway in this area. And they come through and they're just like meandering through. And then they go, oh, what's this, you know, white thing dangling here that smells like, you know, Betty's vagina for lack of better word, you know? Uh, and then they go sniff it and whatever, and they move on. I, you know, I'm not a hundred percent sure on that one, how that would work. Maybe if you set the scent up so that it's, it's carrying not where your wind is. I know some people like, or I'd say like, you know, in parallel with your wind, say you got a South wind and you set the scent up, you know, 30 yards to your East so that that scent is blowing down down or that's uh blah let me restart that say you got a south wind so it's coming from south to north and you set the scent up about 30 yards to your east so then your scent is blowing uphill or from south to north but then also that's that deer estrus scent is blowing from south to north but they're running in parallel so if a buck hits that estrus scent first before he hits your scent uh, it might draw him to you so that'd be the only way i could really see it working but otherwise like having it right in line with you like you know if you're like that same scenario south to north and you just put that scent 30 yards in front of you in the north like that's going to just going to pull your scent and its scent all in the same line so i guess that could work that way um 
but otherwise, uh, I just don't. I just don't see it work working that well. Scent drags, I could kind of see working, um, just because they cover up your boot scent. So a scent drag, if you don't know what that is, you like rip off a piece of fabric, kind of like just a shirt or something like that, dip it in the estrus, tie it around your boot, tie it to your shoelace or whatever, and just let it drag behind you while you walk, so that after your steps your the scent from your boots gets covered up by the scent of estrus yeah that's cool that makes sense i mean um i had one guy tell me that he just did a scent drag like that and dragged it right to the blind and then just set it up on the blind and it was on the non-window shooting side so at one point he turned around and there was like a small six point like year and a half old buck just sitting there licking that (laughs) licking that drag right on the blind and it was he could see it through the blind, but the windows or nothing weren't open. So <laughs> it's kind of funny. He said it snuck up on him. The guy was a first year hunter and didn't know like he just did the drag. He didn't know he was supposed to put it out in front of him or something like that. So yeah. Anyway, uh, that's one scenario that happened and it worked. I guess it got the deer to come to him. Uh, I'm not sure who knows if that deer was coming through that area anyway or whatnot. But that would work. And then in a previous podcast, I talked with Parker and. I do really like his strategy of just literally trying to use it as a cover scent. So instead of putting it out in front of you and hoping the deer actually come to it, would be more or less putting it in the tree with you and hoping that it just kind of covers up or mixes with your own human scent and keeps the deer kind of at bay from blowing you. Like, ah, is that a deer? Is that a person? I'm not quite sure what that is. I don't really like it. I'm just going to walk away, but I'm not going to blow. I'm not going to freak out or anything like that. So that would be the only other time I really use scent. Um, and that's me personally. And it also revolves around my kind of uh, hunting style. You know, as as you really dive into hunting, you start hunting for years and years and years, you kind of develop a style. And for me, I like the challenge of just trying to catch a deer in its most natural state. So I don't, that's one of the reasons I don't do a lot of calling or a lot of gr- or a lot of sense is mainly because it's kind of my own personal ideals. And that's, you know, that's not for everybody. I, I get that. And, and some people might rattle and grunt and snort wheeze and scent their way to victory every year. And that's awesome. I have nothing against them whatsoever. It's just my personal preference is to just be smart enough and strategic enough that I can place myself in the right area for them to come naturally through uh, a space and be able to to get a shot opportunity at them in that scenario versus rattling or grunting or something like that and having them come in. Also, one of the other things is a lot of times, you know, if you, you rattle them in or grunt them and they come in pretty alert and they're looking, they're actually looking for something, you know, they're not just wandering through aimlessly or whatever. Like they're actually there looking for something, so they're on more high alert. So if you have deer duck your arrow or you're shooting a lower poundage bow or something like that, you're not shooting that fast or whatever, um, you know, that might be something to consider as well because, like I said, if they're coming in, they're coming in looking for something, and if you're messing around in your stand or you're on the ground or something like that, it's much more likely that they'll pick you out um, because they're actually looking for something versus something naturally wandering through. But... Anyway, that's uh, kind of all I got for my pre-rut and and rut strategies. That's what I'm going to be doing, and I will just be jumping from pinch point to pinch point to pinch point, you know, for the next few weeks, 
maybe some bedding areas in there and uh and just trying that out but that's that's my plan that's my objective and uh and how i'm gonna take to the woods so any questions or anything like that you know please feel free to again find me on instagram find me on facebook it's deer vein d-e-e-r-v-a-n-e or hit me up sorry i said that weird i don't know why but it's deer vein d-e-e-r-v-a-n-e and then also uh you can my email address is heller a 90 so h-e-l-l-e-r-a 90 at gmail.com you can always hit me up there as well uh and we'll just kind of go from there all right appreciate it give me that thumbs up give me a subscribe please thank you very much uh if you feel the need to review this you thought it was actually helpful uh please let me know and uh drop a review in there really appreciate it i have yet to get any reviews so if you're listening to this you're sitting there, you're like, you know what? I'm going to do Anthony a solid because I think this strategy helped me out today. Uh, you know, go in and just leave me a review. Really appreciate it. All right. Thanks, guys. Catch you later.